morning. Morning? Okay. Well, the fun just left, so we'll have a good time here as well. Just want to say a huge thanks uh, to Willoughby and to Ed and Jenna and Curtis and Liz uh, for having me here today uh, to share with you all, uh, to share good news with you all. Uh, it really is a privilege, and so thank you. Um, and I pray, uh, just pray that we would encounter Christ this morning uh, as I share uh, from God's Word. So uh, we're going to be reading from Luke uh, chapter 2, if you want to turn in your Bibles there, Luke chapter 2, we're going to be in verses 22 to 39. All right, we're still looking for it, it's okay. Uh, Luke chapter 2, verses 22 to 39, God's word says this, When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon, who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him, Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be spoken against, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, They returned to Galilee, to their own town of Nazareth. This is the word of the Lord. Will you join me in prayer? God, we thank you for the gift of this day. And Lord, we pray uh, that in our worship this morning and through this time of your word, that you would speak to us and that we would encounter Jesus anew. 
and that we would be drawn closer to you. We pray these things in the strong name of Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm going to set up shop here. We'll see if I can handle this pulpit. It's a little rickety, so. But Jenna recommends it. Jenna recommends it, so. Well, y'all are the faithful remnant who've made it here uh, today. <laughs> Typically, uh, during this last service before New Year's, we take some time to look back. We want to reflect a bit during this service or even during the week leading up as we start thinking about putting together maybe some New Year's resolutions. But when I went to look back, I could only get to the summer. Like, I can't remember what happened before the summer. It's been, like, way too much, way too much to process. And so since the summer, this is what I got for my life. I've had some new babies born to some friends and family. Some friends got engaged. Some weddings. Survived two brutal heat domes. Devastating flooding for family and friends. The ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Crazy amounts of polarization. A movement called hashtag birds aren't real. Trips canceled. Plans changing all the time. Conflicts. Cancer diagnoses. Job changes and losses. Lost loved ones. Burnout. Anxiety. And tiredness. Oh, so much tiredness. What a difficult six months, friends. And I'm sure if I went around here, you would each have your own stories to add to that. I heard it put this way. It feels like everything is on fire. Feels like everything is on fire. And today we have a story of two prophets who are living patiently in a world full of suffering. Their world, like ours, is full of injustice, sickness, and fear. It's a world on fire. And these two prophets that we read about today, they're looking for something or someone. They want a revelation. They want deliverance. They want the light to overcome the darkness. And so for today, we're going to be talking about prophets, patience, the promise, and peace. I know, I changed it up. We're going with four today, okay? Prophets, patience, the promise, and peace. First, prophets. The story we read in Luke 2 has two main characters, two prophets, Simeon and Anna. What do we know about them? Well, we know that they were both old in age, and yet they hadn't lost hope in seeing God move and work. Anna is a woman who lost her husband after seven years of marriage and is now 84 years old. And yet she hasn't let grief overcome her. Can you imagine? I can say her faith is greater than mine. No other details are really mentioned about her personal life, but what a witness. We read that she was constant in her prayer and in her worship. We don't know much about Simeon, or we don't know how old he is, but we get the sense that he's getting kind of up there in age, for he says that he is ready to be dismissed. Or in other words ready to die. Both individuals, devout in their faith, committed to praying, worshiping, and following the commandments. And like the Old Testament prophets, Simeon and Anna have a word to share with those around them about who God is, what God has done, 
and what God is going to do. You may remember that the prophets in the Old Testament were constantly sharing with the Israelites about Yahweh and about his righteousness and his justice and his love and constantly calling them back to the right way to live, to right relationship and right faith. Even in the midst of continued disobedience and their exile, God was using the prophets to speak to them. And then we don't hear from the prophets for a long time. It seems like God is silent in the midst of a suffering world. And then we read that Simeon and Anna have a word from the Holy Spirit about God's salvation. And they share the good and mysterious news of this plan to Mary and Joseph, to those who were listening on that day, and to all of us who read this text. An old man and an old woman to share the message of salvation for us Two prophets gifted to us to share about God with us. Two prophets, Simeon and Anna. Second point, patience. In Galatians 5, we read that the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and self-control. Patience. Let's be real. We thought we learned patience when we were little kids. And you get your presents at Christmas, and you got to wait, right? And some of you woke up at 4 a.m., and your mom and dad are like, no, go back to bed. It's coming at 6 a.m., right? We learned patience. Our nieces uh, this past week, it was crazy, okay? Put the presents out, gone within seconds. Some of us got a little older, and we thought we were learning patience when we were going to get our driver's license. You get your L, then you get your N, and you kind of work your way up slowly. Or you want to buy a car, Maybe you're getting older still, and you're thinking, I want to buy a house. So you make a plan, and then you remember that you live in the lower mainland. <laughs> Just making sure you're listening, right? And you, you will be almost retiring before you buy a house. Okay, one more example. i got to bring it up. COVID comes along, and you're like, I can wait. I can wait. And now we find ourselves at the end of this year, and we're still waiting. And it's like, what in the world? Patience, a fruit of the Spirit, a grace given to us. Simeon and Anna display this so well for us. Patiently waiting in a world full of suffering. Patiently expecting that God will move and work, but being faithful in what they can. And they've cultivated this patience through their own fasting, through their praying, through their worship, and through their daily habits. And we're called to do the same. I think of the song 40 by U2. And the lyric goes, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined and heard my cry. He lifts me out of the pits, out of the miry clay. But how long to sing this song? How long? We're all waiting Some of us seem to be pretty good at waiting, just we're just naturally inclined that way. But let me tell you that patience is also a fruit that we can all grow in through the choices that we make, the ways we live our lives, through our prayers and our work patterns. We can grow our patience, friends. We live in a time where speed and efficiency is a top three value at all times, right? And it makes a lot of sense. We can get a lot done if we're quick about it. But what happens to us when we're called to wait? 
when we're called to be patient. Because our patience is ultimately a demonstration of our, of our trust in God. It's an implication of our belief that he holds it all together. God is in control. God is in control. How are you waiting for God to move and work in your life? Are you patiently waiting? Because thirdly, the promise that we all have is that God will. Maybe not on our timeline, but God will reveal himself and save. It's this revelation that Simeon and Anna patiently waited for and witnessed. It's this promise that grounds all our faith. God entered the world at a particular time and place in the person of Jesus Christ to save the world. So the revelation of Jesus Christ as the Son of God in the flesh in human history is the promise which grounds all our faith and hope. And through this promise, God has now revealed himself and actually shown us salvation. It's in a person. Simeon quotes Isaiah when he says, For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. The promise is that God who is enfleshed in this 30-day-old baby at the temple in Luke 2 is the salvation for the world. In him, salvation is found for everyone. There is hope for everyone. But this promise also comes with the hard word. Verses 34 and 35, Simeon tells Mary that Jesus is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. This fall, I've been listening to a podcast called The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill uh, by Mike Cosper and Christianity Today. I'm not sure if you've heard of it. Uh, if you're a podcast person, I would rec recommend checking it out. Uh, it's been a fascinating, a fascinating listen, um, thought-provoking, but also really hard. It touches on the story of the church of Mars Hill Church in Seattle and also some broader issues in evangelicalism, if I can phrase it like that, particularly for the U.S. But I just want to touch on the title, Rise and Fall, versus Falling and Rising. The promise of Jesus is not that we rise first, but that we have fallen first. And that, is, then that in fact, it is in falling that we can then rise. It is in our confession of being a sinner that is saved by grace that God saves and lifts us. That is, in fact, how we rise. It is in our weakness that he is made strong. It is when we are approaching death that we are closer to glory than ever before. The human story is that we rise and then fall. Empires rise and fall. Careers rise and fall. Companies rise and fall. Athletic careers come and go. As one sports commentator shared, Father Time is undefeated, even for the old guys still playing. But the living God's plan, the good news, is that what is sown in weakness is raised in glory.
When we humble ourselves, God will raise us up. This is the promise of God to us. This is what the living God did in Jesus when he took on flesh and became a baby. Brian Zand, a pastor and theologian, shares this about Christ's coming, which I believe is so, so good for today. He says this, The incarnation is the best intervention that saves the world. When everything is on fire, my greatest comfort is the assurance that the world will be saved. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world. That's the promise, as it says in 2 Corinthians 1, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. The world has been saved, friends, by the intervention of God in Jesus, and the world will be saved by the intervention of God in his coming again. And we have the promise of grace, salvation, and the great mystery and glory of being raised with Christ. It's not the way the world works, but it's the way God works. The promise of salvation is for everyone who humbles themselves and trusts in Jesus. It's a light for Gentiles and a glory for the Jews. It's a real hope that we can ground ourselves in when everything is on fire. And it's in this promise that we can finally have peace. Peace. It's a word that may feel so far off for many of you today. We share a brief moment on Sundays where we say the peace of Christ be with you or we text it to one another, the peace of Christ be with you. But it's just for a split second. The revelation of God's light and salvation to Simeon leaves him at peace. It is well with his soul, so he may go away in peace. But in our day, anxiety is what haunts us. Kara Powell and Brad Griffin share that in a youth group of 20 students in the U.S., they would estimate that somewhere around seven of them would be suffering from anxiety and depression. Or put another way, they gathered that up to half of the young adults ages 18 to 24 suffered from diagnosable anxiety and, dep and depression during the pandemic. I'm sure that if we took some time to turn to our neighbor here or to call a friend and we just talked and listened to one another, we would find out a whole lot of things. A whole lot of things that are causing us angst. It's the reason why I don't sleep well sometimes. It's why some of us are moving at 100 miles an hour. But there is a grace given to us, and that's peace. I don't want to minimize um, or trivialize the real difficulty and hardship that anxiety brings. But we must always remember that there is peace that comes from God, and it's built up through prayer and by intentionally going slower and taking time to rest. There is a peace offered to all of us. There is a peace given to each person. And it's a peace offered to us through the gift of salvation. It's why the 14th century mystic Julian of Norwich can write, it is true 
that sin is the cause of all this pain. But all will be well. And all will be well. And all manner of things will be well. All will be well, friends, because God has come in the person of Jesus Christ and given us his peace. The peace that Simeon and Anna experienced that day is a gift for each of you today. My sister and brother-in-law recently had a baby, uh, baby Anna, two weeks ago. Am I right with that, John? Yeah, two weeks ago. Uh, and seeing her on FaceTime and Zooms and such has been such a gift, a reminder of the joy and peace that a baby can bring to the world. And to think that that same joy and peace was given to Mary and Joseph that day as Simeon and Anna shared those words as they were holding baby Jesus. Peace. What a gift. And so friends, my prayer for you in this Christmas season is this. That we would prophetically and patiently live each and every day. That as the great Desmond Tutu shared, we would be able to hope and see that there is light despite all the darkness. And that our faith would be grounded and renewed in the promise of Jesus and salvation in him alone. May you know his peace that comes in trusting in his light and his goodness. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to the Willoughby Church Sermon Podcast. The Willoughby Church Podcast Network also has podcasts about discipleship, the Heidelberg Catechism, and even a podcast hosted by some of the youth. You can find out more about the Willoughby Church Podcast Network by going to willoughbychurch.com.